I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm Joanne Pell, Safeguarding Adults and Sport Manager with the Ancraft Trust. I'm here today to talk to my colleague, Nicola Dean, who's also a Safeguarding Adults and Sport Manager here at the Ancraft Trust. Hi, Nicola. Hi, Joanne. Nicola, who is usually the interviewer for our podcast, today is the interviewee. <laughs> um, and that's because whilst I've only been in this role for a few months now, Nicola's been in this role, I think it's coming up to five years at the end of this year, Nicola, is that right? Yeah, five years in November. Yeah. So we're here today to look back over the past five years of safeguarding adults in sport here at the Ancraft Trust. So Nicola's going to talk a little bit about the role in general. We're going to look at what some of the highlights have been over the past five years, as well as looking at some of the challenges she's faced. And then we're going to move on to looking at moving forward in the role and what the future holds for safeguarding adults in sport. So if I can just start by asking you, Nicola, if you just give us a bit of background, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, particularly what you did before you came to the Ancraft Trust and then what attracted you to the role. Well, um, I've got a bit of an eclectic background, I think. Um, I'm qualified as a social worker and I'm still registered as a social worker. But I would say um, I've sort of morphed into being a development worker or development manager. Um, my background is working with uh, safeguarding children, safeguarding adults within local authority and then within charity sector. So I've worked in the voluntary sector for um, oh, about 20 years now, um, different roles within different organisations. And the the one that um, I was doing just immediately to apply to work for ACT was with SIPS, the National Sibling Charity, um, supporting siblings of disabled children. So I did a lot of work on their website, used to run events, used to run training, and basically tried to raise awareness of the needs of siblings of disabled children and I think that's what really interested me with the ACT um, job because it was a new post, it was brand new, um, nobody had done it before um, and it was it was trying to get people interested in safeguarding adults in sport so it was an awareness raising um, post originally I think and just going out there and meeting people and, you know, trying to make them realise that it is a thing. Safeguarding adults is a thing in sport. So it felt like a new a new job. I, I already had contact with the Ancraft Trust through um, being an associate trainer and um, I ran events for um, the Safeguarding Adults, no, the Safeguarding um, Disabled Children's Manager. So I used to go out to um, run events for them. So a new act. I had a real passion for act and the work that had been done. Um, really admired some of the research and, you know, Deborah Kitson as the CEO and all the work that she'd done. So um, it just felt like a, a new, exciting opportunity. Yeah, and I, I guess a new challenge. But I was just wanted to ask you, because people ask me the same thing, sort of, did you have a natural sort of passion for sport as well? Because obviously you're saying your background really wasn't in that. It was more in, in safeguarding and, and working in that area. And then did, did that passion for sport follow then after that? Oh, well, I'd like to think I'm a bit of a spectator. Um, I'm a very good spectator. I'm not particularly someone who takes part in sport. Um, you know, I can have a knockabout with a tennis ball and I can turn my hand to, well, riding my bike. 
my latest blog was about riding my bike and trying to be so I, I really am somebody who is into activity probably rather more than sports you know when I was at school I used to play badminton and tennis and being clubs but as I've got older I don't tend to do that I just tend to you know do yoga maybe go to a class but um I'm a big admirer of sport really am I love um football I'm gutted about the um I know you are about the yeah. um Euros being cancelled or postponed I love Wimbledon um I, I, I watch most sports I, I love the Ryder Cup um so I love a bit golf and you yeah. know squash on if, they get, if I can get any squash on TV I love a bit of squash <laughs> um anything really oh the Olympics yeah love the Olympics Commonwealth Games coming up next year well 2022 so yeah I think I've, I've it feels a bit like a kid in a sweet shop doesn't it when you think gosh I'm working with all these brilliant sports yeah, so the interest was there, wasn't it? And it was, yeah. I think it was the same with me. And I think one of the things I found, and as I said, I've only been in this role three months, is just how huge the sector is, isn't oh. it? I mean, there's so much sport, but it's just it's the structures of it all and the different layers of sport. It's just absolutely huge. That was one of the first things that hit me. And I'm sure it did you as well. And it, it's, it's all the new language and the jargon and, and learning all of that as well. Did you find that? Oh, just, I think I, I think I combined UK sport, sport England. So I used to say something like sport UK, um, which ain't great when sport England are your funder and you know you you collaborate with UK sport. Couldn't work that out. NGBs, um, some of the language actually sounds like safeguarding language, doesn't it as well? So the acronyms, I think, um, acronyms within safeguarding are a barrier, I reckon where people think that you know, you, you think you know what you're talking about, and then somebody uses an acronym and you don't understand it, or you pretend you understand it. So, yeah, NGB, um, CSPs, as the were, I still say CSPs, and it's actually active partnerships, and, yeah, the, the various layers of funding, who does what, it, it's very complicated. But I think safeguarding can be very complicated. So... Trying to marry, you know, you said about challenges, trying to marry the language of safeguarding to the language of sport and activity, that is always a challenge. And I don't know that I get it right. I don't get it right all the time. I know I don't. So I'd say that's your, (laughs) that's a challenge for you now, Joanne. (laughs) Now you're in first. Absolutely. And it is, I I know what you say about the jargon and the acronyms and and getting used to that. But as you said, we, we use we use jargons and safeguarding. And I think one of the things that I've found is, is people who they, they come to us because we have the background in safeguarding. We've got the safeguarding expertise and we can learn from them about the sport and what goes on. So although they're asking us a lot of questions about safeguarding, I'm asking yeah. questions about sport. And we get that affinity then going back and forth, don't we? And it's it's really quite interesting. So whilst they're learning about safeguarding, we're I'm we're I'm learning um all the time as well and that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the way, isn't it? Like sorry, I was just gonna say, you know, ACT works across a whole variety of organisations from um Scouts, Boys Brigade, um, the National Parks, 
so we have to learn the language of that organization don't we absolutely um so it's similar to what we do in sport but yeah i think it's um it's a big entity sport and activity anyway go on carry on with your questions so i know you, i know you mentioned one of the challenges already but we're going to look at um seeing looking at what some of the highlights have been for you i'm sure there's been several highlights over the past five years but anything that stands out in particular for you um i guess at the end of the 18 months my post was originally for 18 months and then to have the funding um carried on and actually have an ex you know have a bigger pot of money to spend i don't know it, it just felt fantastic that they were pleased to carry on funding act um, and they were happy with the work that, that I'd started. So that was really great. Um, and I think that the it carried on the work that we've got within sport, within ACT anyway. We're already, for years, we'd been working with sports. And Deborah Kitson had been an advisor to a lot of sports and NGBs. There'd been a steering group. Um, so we had NGBs, Red Active Partnerships, we had Sport and Recreation Alliance, British Athletics Commission, Sport Resolutions. You know, we had sport activity behind us. Um, so that, that group, us, us at ACT getting that funding originally for 18 months and then for a longer period of time, that, that is probably the biggest highlight that you know, all that work that people have put in before my post has, has reaped rewards, really. Um, so, yeah, that, that's fantastic. The other one is, I guess, also getting funding um, subsequently for um, UK sport. So we knew that we were working with all the sports. And so UK sport funded part-time contract with um, Kimberly Walsh, who, again, that's great working with Kimberly because she's from a sports background, so she's able to help us, isn't she? Yeah. And, and then, you know, yeah, the team expanding as well. So um, I think I've been described, or I might describe myself a um, as a lone ranger. So there was only me. So it's so nice to actually have a team and it, it feels quite, it feels really good actually to be interviewed by somebody who's doing the same job as me. So it's not just me doing the job. And, well, you I've know, got, your predecessors. I've got big boots to fill. Ah, so that, that to me is like, it's great. I forget sometimes. I think, oh, I've got a team. Um, it's not my team, but, um, and then we, you know, it's, one of the first things that we did um, with the safeguarding um, steering group, safeguarding adults in sports steering group, was um, we did a submission to the um, duty of care re report that um, Tanya Gray Thompson um, was commissioned to um, run. So she did a, a review of duty of care within sports. So that was great right from the start of my post to be able to um, add to that submission and to somehow squeeze safeguarding adults into that report. And it was like, yeah, we're in there. We haven't got massive mention, but we are in there. And that was fantastic. Um, and something, um, the, ACT, the ACT website, um, when I joined, um, the ACT website was, um, oh, it was just such an old format that I just felt like I couldn't tell people to go on there. We just didn't have the um, information that people needed. So um, when I go on now, and I feel real pride that we've got some um, relevant resources. There's actually a safeguarding adults in sport section, um, and we just keep populating it as well. So um, 
there's lots of information. We get really good feedback from people about the um, information that we've got. So I think yeah. I, I did a bit of prep for this because I was getting a bit nervous about what I'm going to say. But um, thanks for running ahead. Got a lot of uh, really positive feedback about the website and the amount of information that's on there and the resources and the fact that it's kept up to date, you know, and we do, we do have an excellent marketing team behind us as well that really helps in keeping things up to date because there's nothing worse than going on and finding things out of date and, and looking around for things. But yeah, the, uh, we do get a lot of positive comments about the website, which is great. Yeah, I mean, other other positives that I think we've um, done, well, we've done loads of great stuff, um, but we've got, we did some online um, training um, with UK Coaching, and that's the first piece of um, safeguarding adults in sport um, training that's online, so that was a big piece of work that um, one of your predecessors, uh, Mark, he took on and, and really drove as well so that I'm really proud of that um, and part of the the work that we do around skills and knowledge alongside um, CPSU and um, other sports um, NGBs and active partnerships to um, look at the standards um, for training for um, people within the sports sector so looking at the SIMSPA standards um, I think it's been really good. And then personal highlights, I've got to say, it has been working with some of the brilliant sports. So rounders, used to love playing rounders, worked with the NGB, the FA, love watching football. And I love the way that football and loads of sports actually give back to the community. So um, yeah, yeah. foundation. Yeah, the amount of work they do in the community and the groups and the clubs, uh, they, they, I didn't realise how much they actually did in the community at all. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I felt quite proud really to be involved in some of that and looking at safeguarding. Um, and some of the um, wheelchair sports as well that, you know, I know you've been involved in and that I've been involved in that I might have seen on TV, but to, to help them and to look at safeguarding adults is, is fantastic really and then you know the active partnerships some of the brilliant work that they're doing around getting people active in the community again I have no idea that the area um, I live in had an active partnership I think I don't understand I had a bit of a background of talking to sports development team when I was a social worker sometimes and trying to find activities for people yeah um, they were linked to the councils weren't they initially yeah yes yeah yeah. yeah, so I think that's how I knew about them. But, yeah, it's been great working with them. And um, I, I just love the uh, energy that people in sport and activity have got and the drive and the commitment and the – so tell us what we need to do, what how we're going to do it, you know, so – and yeah. the competitiveness. I mean, people can be so competitive, just yeah. about – Oh, who who else has done that then? Oh, oh, have they? Oh, um, well, maybe we'll give it a go then. Or, um, oh, have they got as much done as us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, very, it's very much a can-do attitude, isn't it? Very yeah. much can-do and we will do it, absolutely. And that's very refreshing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's not always the case. But then, you know, it's not always the case Um that I mean, some of the the downsides, some of the challenges we've had is um, 
making sure that it, it, it is relevant so that people feel it's relevant. So um, I've got a little list. I was doing some training the other week and I, I came up with a little list of some of the barriers, some of the things I get asked. And it was like, um, but they're adults. They can just look after themselves. Um, I hate this phrase, but people use it a lot. Why don't they just man up? You know, people, adults can just look after themselves. Um, oh, no, we don't work with vulnerable adults. No, so we don't have to look at that. Um, well, we've sorted safeguarding out, Nicola, because we've got safeguarding policy and procedure. And then you look at it and lo and behold, it's about children. And they might have tagged on vulnerable adults, but really it is not for adults. So it's, they're the challenges that we've had, I think, and make relevant. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think just in speaking to people, you've come a long way in the five years, would you think, from when you first started? And it's still a challenge probably moving forward, but certainly yeah. speaking to people, I think they are getting it. And have you seen that change over the five years and the people understanding that and getting that and understanding that a bit more? Yeah, I think so. I think the the CARE Act 2014, you know, the safeguarding guidance, in there that has nudged people into thinking well actually it's there in legislation and if you look at the care act again it's a bit wordy and it's geared towards the care sector you know people in health however the six principles i think absolutely shine through to fit with sport and activity so i think we've got better in act at using what we've got there especially in england we've got the six principles um obviously i'm speaking from an english perspective we do have a um, welsh um colleague as well and you know scotland's got different legislation that's all very confusing as well um but when i'm speaking about england um i use the um six principles and talk about you know Safeguarding can't be done in a silo. It's not just about um, safeguarding through the local authority. You know, it's about the community working together. So yeah. I yeah. think over the it's past five years... It's a message that we normally keep keep saying and keep saying, isn't it? Safeguarding is everybody's responsibility. It's everybody's yeah. business. And if you look at the clubs and the sport clubs and the organisations, the amount and the different types of people they come into contact with is yeah. huge. So the opportunities for them to spot signs... Um, or indications where people are being harmed or neglected or, or, or abused is huge. And they have a responsibility to, to do something about that. And I think, as you said, when I'm speaking to people, people are understanding that now. Yeah. They're not seeing it in a social care context. Yeah. They're seeing it more in a community context now, which is great. Great. I mean, that's the um, safeguarding adult boards as well, who've been doing work around getting the message out to the community, haven't they? And the board's recognising that actually sport is a sector that we should really be connecting with for all the reasons that you've just said. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased about the progress. Um, and it, it is very rare I get somebody saying, oh, no, we've done that. Um, oh, no, we haven't got, oh, oh, we haven't got time for that. I mean, I know it does, it does take time, but if you put the time in and you put, safeguarding, you know, um, at least I'll say it's like the golden thread, you know, through um, an organisation. If safeguarding isn't through an organisation that actually works with people, things will happen. And we haven't had massive um, problems um, as there have been in um, children's safeguarding with um, 
you know, uh, predators or, you know, organised um, abuse. Well, we haven't heard it yet. But what we have heard is um, the voices of um, elite athletes saying, listen to us. And I actually think that that is helping safeguarding. So, you know, I was just, you know, like the Me Too movement saying, you know, um, adults can be abused, we can be groomed, we can be exploited. Um, and I think that as we move forward in ACT, it's to look more about, you know, what are the experiences of um, adults within sport and to try to um, understand it more. So, um, I mean, again, that's part of the um, uh, making safeguarding personal, isn't it? And about putting the person at the centre. Yes. Um, and listening to the voice. I think we've got better. Yeah. 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 That's what I'd like yeah. to do. Ask, you've already said a little bit about moving forward. I was going to ask you that obviously you've seen it come a long way in five years. You've still got ways to go. I was going to ask you how you do see it moving forward. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, I think the voice of athletes, the voice of participants. So we, you know, the voice of athletes it makes me think about elite athletes. But then it's running right the way through into community um, sports so that people in clubs can be heard, that um, clubs know what to do. Like you say, if they see something or they're not, things don't seem right, what they can do. Um, but it's got to be alongside adults. You can't do safeguarding to adults. So you can't say, oh, I'm safeguarding this person. It's a process and it's a conversation, isn't it? So um, that's what I'd like to see more. And ACT, we... We're doing some work um, with participants. We're doing forums. We're just on our first, which is a real highlight as well. Um, they've just run a, the first um, safeguarding um, adults participant forum. So it's for, you know, people taking part in clubs to have their voice and to say what safeguarding means to them. Um, and then the other thing I'd like to see is the safeguarding adults in sport framework that um, has been developed by ACT. Um, where it's a chance for organisations to um, measure where they're at with safeguarding adults um, and to create a plan. So to think, right, so where are we are in this NGB, in this active partnership? Um, where do we stand? Where are our strengths? But also where are the areas that we need to work on? So I'd really like to see that being rolled out. Um, and I'd like... I guess, you know, my background originally pre being a social worker was working with people with learning disabilities. And um, I've always had it in my mind about um, trying to make resources accessible and to make it so that everybody can take part and that we're not. Yeah, I just think as I'm going along, actually, but for organisations to stop and think about are these resources fit for anybody who comes to our club or our setting? Um, can people understand it? And if, if we think that they can't, can we make it more accessible? So I think that that's a really key area for ACT because, again, we've got a really good background in, you know, looking at safeguarding adults with learning disabilities in particular. But also, if we if we look at making it accessible to people with learning disabilities, we can look at accessibility for people with visual impairments, you know, people who are deaf, people with any type of condition. Yeah, it's not making it inclusive for everyone because everybody yeah. has the right to enjoy sport and activity and to do it and to feel safe and have fun and go to a place where they can enjoy it and feel safe. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd like that. I'd really like that. 
Yeah. The other, the other area I think I've spoke about is about the safeguarding adult sports and to get more recognition from them and to try to get sport on the agenda so that they start to, you know, they, they produce some brilliant resources. They work with a variety of um, organisations. So I really like sport to be um, joining in. And some of the active partnerships, some of the um, NGBs, do have a voice and do have a foot into the... Um, they do, I do. I'm speaking to a few of them who are actually board members and yeah. on the board, so that's really exciting, yeah, and they say that they get so much from it, absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to get the voice, you know, we need the voice of sport to be in safeguarding, so it's like a two-way thing, isn't it? We can bring safeguarding into the sports, but sports, we can bring them into the safeguarding arena, so it's like a nice... Well, and then the other, the last thing I was thinking, really, what do I want? Um, I'd like people to be checking in with with each other in sport and activity, and I think that they do do it. I think you've said it, Joanne, about safeguarding's already going on. People are already keeping an eye out on for people. They're already signposting um, people into um, services. They're already thinking. Does it need to be the local authority that are going to have to be involved in the safeguarding process? Um, but for me, it's like the the phrase, um, how are you? How are you? I'm translating from my hall to my um, better, posher voice. But, you know, how are you? I've noticed that, you know, you haven't been coming to training or I've noticed that you haven't been yourself. You know, is there anything I can help you with? And that to me is like... Conversations. Absolutely. Like start, start somewhere, and that's the start of it. It's starting that conversation and getting that conversation going with people. Yeah. That's excellent. That's brilliant, Nicholas. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, I'm so excited to join the team and be oh. with the team and to work with you all um, and, and moving forward. So it's great to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Ancraft Trust. <laughs>